Evolutionary.org presents Evolutionary Hardcore Podcast with your co-hosts, Steve from the American Underground and Mobster from the UK Iron Den. Get ready for the most hardcore and underground info in the industry. And here we go. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6... Evolutionary.org Hardcore Podcast coming your way. Tom Prince, episode 152. Steve Smee here, and joining me, the Moabster. What's up, man? Oh, good. We're going to do the before and the very much after with Tom Prince today. So, Tom Prince, guys, each guy we do is really fascinating doing these stories on them and seeing kind of how their life transformed. So this is going to be a really fun one to do, guys, and maybe scary for a lot of people uh, listening to this yeah. as well. So check this one out, guys. Tom Prince, former professional bodybuilder. He's known for having to retire prematurely from competition for his health problems. So at his peak, five foot eight during the off season and was 300 pounds. During season... He would cut down to 230 pounds. So at five foot eight, that's still huge to be five foot eight, 230 pounds. I mean, that's that's still a ton of muscle. And in the yeah. off season, there were some reports, and he even admitted in some in some interviews that I saw, mobster, that he was even three fifteen or higher, maybe three eighteen. So can you imagine five foot eight and over three hundred pounds? That's a lot of mass on your on your body. So I, I was three eighteen yesterday, and I'm six foot three. So I've got what seven inches on him. And you're and much you were much older than him too. So you yeah, had more time to build and healthier. <laughs> but yeah, I'm not comfortable at three eighteen. So Christ knows what it was like on his frame. Heavy. And he did it quicker than you too. He did yeah, it oh, half yeah. the time. So you can imagine yeah, the strain yeah. he put on his body. So let's let's go back to. When he was born, 1969, he was born in Virginia. And uh, he made a big name for himself in his mid-20s. He had back-to-back second-place finishes at the NPC Nationals. In 97, he won the NPC Nationals in the heavyweight and overall divisions. And then he competed in a huge competition like the Night of Champions and Grand Prix. So he quickly moved up. Um, if you followed bodybuilding around the time, you knew who Tom Prince was. He was legit. 16th place at Mr. Olympia. And uh, the next year he would finish top 10 in the Southwest Pro Cup. So he established himself as a pretty good bodybuilder. Any, anytime you're in the top 20, Mr. Olympia, you're, you're definitely legit. Yeah. So <clears throat> let's get into a little bit of his diet and training mobster. And then we'll talk about the big one on this podcast is his health problems and, and get into what happened to him. So I'll talk about his diet, Mobster. Um, you can talk a little bit about his training. You're our training guru. So Prince believed in calorie and carb cycling, and he believed you should adjust it daily to your training. And that's pretty much what athletes do in all walks of sports. They'll, um, they'll carb and, and calorie cycle. So what that means in this situation, if he had a really tough workout that day, he would eat more. He had a more lazy day. Let's say he's sitting around watching football all day. He would eat less. Really, really simple. And yeah. when you are an athlete at this level, this is basically a maintenance type of strategy. And it will kind of keep you, 
keep you in line. So and it's it's good. It's good uh, from a men men mental standpoint. Um, you know, I can get into some of the science behind this. That's not that sound, but you know, you guys who follow me on the forum and listen to my other podcasts, I talk a lot about you know um, this type of thing. So you guys can check those out. But this is what he says. He says that ahead of a contest, he would adjust things very slightly. That was very different than some of the other bodybuilders. So he wouldn't jerk things all the way from 200 grams of carbs down to nothing. He would just adjust it down 125 grams, for example. So that was something different that he did with other bodybuilders. But at the end of the day, when you have these types of genetics, you know, you can do all, you know, you could do your own thing and it's probably going to work. It's like throwing... <laughs> A dart at a dartboard when you're two feet away you know it's gonna work no matter what what you try so get into a little bit of what you found out mobster about his training um how did his training compare to some of the other guys around this time it's the thing right and and, and in the article we're going to link to to go with this guys we talk about how he actually said himself that he liked to train uh at being in a gym and what we you know a lot of us iron guys Training is as much the fun and what we do every single day and what settles us and helps with anxiety and all that kind of stuff and part of our life as it is uh, competing. I, I've definitely say, you know, even on my, my worst days, my most tired days, I'm going to come in and I'm going to still do what I've got to do as, because it's something that's in my blood. And I think this is what Tom kind of refers to, which makes what happened later on kind of a big shame and something that Steve and I just talked about uh, off air. So, so the other aspect was that he... Real strong at his biggest, at his heaviest. He there's there's talk of six hundred and eight, maybe even seven hundred pound squats, Steve. So I think yeah, we're talking about three hundred pound presses and four hundred plus five hundred, getting around the five hundred pounds. Certainly the squat stuff is is a hundred percent. The other numbers are out there, as suggestions as to the sort of stuff that he was doing. And something again that the article refers to, he said about the loving of the training and the person that he looked up to and followed was Dorian Yates. So there's very much, of course, with Dorian with his blood and guts. I think Tom, Tom enjoyed that. He, he, he enjoyed going to the gym. And I'll tell you something as well that sticks in my mind in terms of, he was probably one of those guys that stayed after. Instead of, if you're working or you've got loads of other stuff, you'll see guys flying to the gym, doing our shoot air. But what I found uh, as a sort of side reference was that you've seen videos and photo shoots, et cetera, in Gold's gym at that time. And as often as not, I think the Battle for the Olympia videos, Tom would be one of those guys that would come over. So he liked being there. He liked the atmosphere of the gym. He liked working out. And with, as we will get into, of course, at the end, the PEDs, one suspect the whole feeling strong, feeling big, was a big thing for him at that time. So, yeah, you know, if you came to the gym, you'd see Tom over in the corner doing his stuff. And then if there's a camera out, all the video cameras there, Tom will come over and support you, we pat you on the back and he'd end up on some of those videos. And, and I, I, for the 600 pound squats alone, the size of his legs, I mean, he was a big guy all over, very muscular, great shape on stage, but the legs were what we call tree trunk fires. Definitely big legs, Steve. Definitely squatting and putting the big numbers in and getting under the bar to produce those huge fires. And that if they wasn't, Paul DiMeo-esque or Tom Platt-esque, they were certainly of their ilk when it came to the sheer volume and size of the legs that he had. So let's kind of get into the elephant in the room when it comes to Tom Prince and why oh, yeah. he's not around anymore in bodybuilding. 
So in 2002, he started having problems with his kidneys. And since then, he's had to do frequent dialysis treatments. So our kidneys, guys, are in our body. It's an organ. And it's responsible for moving water, solutes, and toxins from our blood. And when you lose functionality, you must get it done via dialysis. Now, dialysis is kind of like donating plasma. It's, it's, you know, I've never had it done myself. I've never had um, known anyone who's, I don't know if you have mobster, but it's kind of yeah. like you're, from what I've researched on it, you're basically sitting in a chair or laying down. You connect, yeah. you know, the machine to you and the machine kind of extracts the crap out of your blood that and the reason you have to do that is because your kidneys aren't able to do that anymore so you need to have a machine do it so if you don't get this done if you don't get if you say screw it i don't want to do this dialysis it's too time consuming you're basically it's it's kind of like your toilet getting clogged in your house and you say you know what screw it i'm not even going to hire a plumber to come out and clean these pipes i'm just going <laughs> to let it back up in my house. So it's just going to back up in your house, back up in your body. And eventually your body will start shutting down because of all these toxins, because it's unable to clear out these toxins. So for him, he says, you know, hey, I'm, I got to do this three times a week forever. So yes. imagine having to do that forever. So in his situation, he seems to have, you know, we we're talking about on the pre-show, he seems to have money where he's able to probably have a nurse come over to his place or a doctor or a doctor's assistant and perform this on him in the comfort of his own home. He's able to still work on his laptop so he can kind of get that done. But if you don't have money, you're going to have to go into the doctor three times a week. And that sucks, especially during, you know, COVID and, you know, it's time consuming and it's going to take up half your day to do this done. So please take care of your kidneys, guys. You don't want to end up with this issue. So long story short, today, he's only 185 pounds. He's skinny and you would look at him and you could look up pictures of Tom Prince now, guys. He looks nothing like his former bodybuilder self. He's done interviews. You would think this guy was a cross-country runner or a tennis player today. You would not assume, wow, this guy used to be a 300-pound top 20 Mr. Olympia bodybuilder. So, so today, he's in Southern California. He owns rental property. He makes a pretty good living along with his wife. I give his wife credit for you know sticking with him. He says he only trains once or twice a week on some weeks if he's busy with work. Otherwise, he tries to hit the gym up to five times a week. So that is cool that he's still able to train and he's still able, you know, still, uh, if that's true, 185 pounds at five foot eight, that's still a, a good size guy. Um, you know, if you take his height and weight. So, but obviously he's not going to be able to ever bodybuild like he did before, nor will he want to. So in the article that we're going to link, you can see some before and after pictures of what Tom Prince looked like before and after. So before we get into it's that steroids causes kidney failure, Mobster, do you have any thoughts on on that so far? Yeah, so far, I was going to say, first off, guys, that process is 
three or four hours as an absolute minimum. And when C says about half your day, he's not kidding. If it's if you live outside of the cities in the States, it's an hour there to your local hospital. It's three to four hours on dialysis. It's tiring. You can't do much, maybe read, maybe listen to your, your iPhones and music, whatever, watch TV. And that is it. You're going nowhere. You're not walking this machine around the hospital. You're not going down to the cafeteria. You are there. And it's, that, and, it's and then, of course, you've got the hour home. So you're looking basically at six hours out of your life, three times a week. And unless you're doing this in the middle of the night, guys, that is a lot of time. And as, as, as Steve said, you know, on his laptop doing a bit of business answering emails is as good as that gets. And so, you know, he's in a position perhaps of being able to do this at home, as Steve says, or, or, or in the office. But I doubt this very much. I think he said one reference I saw, and it might have changed since he was talking about taking the laptop with him and having this done in hospital. Uh, so, yeah, that's just absolutely crazy. Something we should make sure that we will mention, and we're going to get into the whys and wherefores, of course, guys. This is why, and we will say this at the end of the podcast again, this is why we talk about blood work again and again and again on the forums. And as boring as it is, guys, for us to say it repeatedly, we're looking for you, odd one in a hundred that's going to have problems to identify this stuff early and stop causing yourself grief. My gut feeling, and we're going to get into the guess I said, the whys and wherefores, I think maybe Tom at the time, until he absolutely had to, probably didn't do the things that he should have done and perhaps ignored them a little bit. And he won't be the first obsessed bodybuilder that wants to compete, wants to kick ass and all the rest of that kind of stuff to, to look at this. Something else, guys, and again, well, I, I, I made sure to mention it again at the end of the podcast. N2 guard, you need stuff to protect your organs. And as I say, when we get into the whys and wherefores, it wasn't just one thing here. There's a, there's two or three different aspects to Tom's, uh, the reasons why Tom had the, the medical conditions and the issues that he's had to deal with. And we're going to touch on all of those. But yeah, I mean, six hours out of your day, guys, three times a week. And as Steve said, for the rest of your fucking life, some of you guys seem too prepared when we talk about this kind of stuff to roll the dice. This is until you die. This is when you're old, it carries on. It's when you're married, when you're having kids, when your grandkids come along, when you're on holiday, you're doing this all the time, every week, forever, until they put you in a box or they stick the furnace on down the crematorium. This is like, an all-the-time thing, guys. So pay close attention to when we get into the medical issues and, and, and the specifics and pay attention to our advice. It's very, very important. When we talk about guys like Tom, we are teaching you a lesson so you do not make these kind of mistakes. Or even if it's genetic and medical, you don't have to deal with this kind of bullshit or you can get to deal with it early. Steve. So yeah, we're definitely going to talk about that. So the qu big question is that steroids causes kidney failure. So Tom insists that steroids did not directly cause his kidney failure. He said he had a kidney transplant and that replacement kidney also died after two years. So according to him, he has a blood genetic condition known as FSGS, which the doctors did not know until his replacement kidney failed. So that must have been very frustrating right there. And that happens in medicine, guys. Um, you know, sometimes it's a lot of trial and error and doctors are not going to know what's really going on until they try different things. So here's the thing. On the flip side of this, he insists bodybuilders get frequent blood work done. 
which is Good. something he failed to do early in his career. And if he had done it, it would have prevented much of his health problems. However, I don't think that's true because what happens is with bodybuilders, and I've interviewed many of them, and I've interviewed Boston Lloyd three times in the podcast. And Boston Lloyd even told me, he's like, I don't even want to look at my blood work because I don't want to know. I want to stay ignorant on it. So I think even if these bodybuilders got blood work, they would just ignore. I actually saw a thread on the forum. Yeah. One of the forums, I'm sure Mobster, you may have saw this as well, but I thought this was interesting because someone posted, I have strained kidneys. So what the way the, 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 the markers on your, on your blood work, the creatinine levels, and then your BUN levels, which is the blood urea nitrogen levels. Those are the two main indicators that shows if you strain kidneys. So most of you listening to our podcast who have experience with anabolic steroids, who have been weight training for years, who are big, big guys, who are holding a lot of muscle. If you got blood work done, you may notice that these numbers are high. And I've always said over the years, it's normal for someone who's a weight trainer, who's using yep. steroids to have these numbers. I never said it was good to have these numbers. I said it was normal <laughs> for you to have these numbers. There's a difference. There's a difference. So what happens is over time, these numbers are elevated, okay? And that means that your kidneys are under so much pressure and you're going to basically burn out your kidneys eventually. Now, how quickly you burn out your kidneys, I can't tell you. But in Tom Prince's case, considering he abused anabolic steroids, he was freaking huge, okay, for his, for his height. Absolutely a monster. And then number three, he had an underlying um, genetic kidney issue. So all those three factors, he was basically at a 99.9% .9 chance of having kidney failure. And that's what happened with him. So, you know, and so guys, you know, you can live in, 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 in your dream world where you think, hey, it can't happen to me. But my recommendation is if you get blood work, a series of blood work done, and you're kidney numbers are strained in your blood work, which is normal for someone who yeah. uses anabolic steroids and who's huge, you need to take a break. You need to take a break, not just from the steroids, but also from weight training. And you need to take a break from all the food you're throwing at your body because all that protein you're throwing at your body is also putting pressure on your kidneys and liver. Okay. That's how fatty liver disease can occur is from excessive amount of protein. So my recommendations is do some fasting, take some breaks from the gym here and there, and you have to give your body a break. Let your kidneys catch up to the strain you're putting on them, and that's how you can prevent this end game, which is not good. Mobster? A couple of quick things. First off, FSGS is exactly the same medical condition as Flex Wheelhead, guys, so check that out and, and see how the issues for Flex were the same as Tom in terms of kidney transplants, et cetera. Very, very quickly on the blood test side, I made some notes here, Steve, when I was researching the show, and I said the creatinine levels, 3.9 with kidney failure at five plus, and Tom's were five plus. So they were right out there when they gave him the kidney transplant, and then obviously with the FSGS, which hadn't been identified, he ended up with problems. Something very, very quickly, and I've, make, I've mentioned this a bunch of times on the forum, and Steve will know what I'm on about, People confuse the difference between creatinine levels and creatine levels. And of course, creatine in the body as a supplement can, when it's not being used as a byproduct, 
turn into creatinine and give a false positive for blood tests. So one of the things I've mentioned a million times, guys, when you go for a blood test, and I've had this advised to me myself by the nurses when I come in, did you take supplements, young man, because they can see that I work out, blah, blah, blah. Yes, I do, darling. Do you take creatine? Yes, I do. Right, don't take any creatine for four to five days before a blood test so you do not get a false positive. Worst case scenario, guys, is that you come off the creatine and your numbers are still high. Then that's a proper indication that you've got issues. If you go in there with zero issues, but you've been taking creatine before the blood test and you get a false positive, now you're frightened for no reason. So make sure that you come off supplements and specifically creatine in this case, a few, I think it's about four to five days as I do, Steve. I'd even go two weeks just in case, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you I'd can do it, especially case, if it's yeah. important. And especially if you've got any underlying medical issues, you don't want elevated HDL, LDL, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, because you're on steroids and you don't want elevated creatinine levels in your blood because you were taking creatine. We want a true picture in our blood test of our actual health, not false positives and negatives given by the fact that we're using this product and this product and this product. So go in, and again, this is the reason why, even at my age, I believe now, I think because I'm 50 plus, uh, thank goodness I haven't had one recently, but at 50 plus, I'm supposed to have two prostate checks a year. I think at 60 plus, it's three to four times a year. But yeah, that's what I'm looking forward to, my old age, Steve, the finger up the ass. But again, prostate health, liver health, kidney health, guys. We talk about this stuff all the time. I want to address, Steve, if you don't mind, I'll jump on the old Advil, as it's known in the United States, and ibuprofen over here. There's probably a chemical name. Don't ask me what it is, guys. Look it up. Um, Tom admits, and this is an issue in and of itself, never mind the medical condition, never mind the potential for stress with protein, and never mind the potential for stress with, for stress with steroids. He admits that he was using three to four times the daily recommended toast. But basically, he, every time he trained, he was having issues, which actually might have been a sign of the kidney issue in and of itself, Steve. He was having joint pain and discomfort. So for pressing, for squatting, and for hip, the hips, the joints were aching. And he'd have to take a certain amount of painkillers just to have the workout. There's a story I read earlier on which said, uh, I think it was uh, referenced in the uh, Lee Priest, where uh, uh, Sam's fitness is asking Lee about this whole business. And he says, listen, he's, uh, Sam says something about, seen online, that Tom would have to warm up for an hour just to go train and of course he loved training as we talked about earlier because of the pain and discomfort he was having with his joints now that probably was a red flag right now for the kidney issues but also there he was taking a lot of painkillers and again he himself says in one of his where are they now interviews he talks about taking three to four times a daily recommended dose now there's a steve will tell you this if you take ibuprofen or Advil on an empty stomach, it's hugely inflammatory just for your stomach lining. And never mind your body, as great as it is at doing its job, it tears your stomach up. And if it's tearing your stomach up, it's fucking with your kidneys too. So this is why you have safe recommended limits for all these drugs on the side of the damn box, on the piece of paper, on the insert. And here's Tom telling you in an interview I was taking three to four times this stuff. I mean, to say that this was ripping his guts up, Steve, and, and, and smashing a granny out of his kidneys, it's kind of stating the bleeding obvious. And he, this is on top of an undiagnosed medical issue and on top of the protein intake and on top of any stress that he was putting on his body with steroids. So those three, four things together. I mean, I think I said in the pre-show to Steve, he was guaranteed to have some kind of problem. 
absolutely genetically freak freakish or not the ability to do certain things to grow to be his 300 plus pound monster that that's a given but these other things is kind of like you know <laughs> setting up some sort of trap with a hammer that's going to land on your balls and pressing a button you're guaranteed to smash your balls this guy is guaranteed to have some kind of medical problem one way or another just because he was doing three or four things where where there is no chance that he's not going to come away with that unscathed absolutely not and guys we talk about this stuff all the time there's other medication that some of you are doing out there whether it's for focus whether it's for anxiety whether it's for post-traumatic stress or whatever else you need to be aware and we say this on the forums if you're taking this drug you need to be aware of the side effects is it stress on your body and then you come in and do the steroids that we because that's sometimes all you, all you guys are asking us about you say can i take this performance enhancing drug you're not telling us your medical stuff we're not your doctor we're not sitting you down and going through all these things and we're not aware of everything else you're doing if you're doing a bunch of recreations you don't mention it if you're drinking booze all the time and you don't mention it and so guys you know this stuff for yourself then we talk about these things on this podcast all these things matter we want to see you big and strong and muscular for a long time we do not want like tom to come away with this guy that's essentially half the man it, steve says it at the beginning he, he looks like a, a miniature version of the man he used to be. He, he, the video I'm thinking of, Steve, he sits there and it looks like shirts too big for him. And I'm certainly sure he can afford to buy a shirt that fits. He just looks like the incredibly shrink, the shrunken man yeah. in this shirt. I'm not sure I believe he's 185 pounds. I think maybe. I would say yeah. 160, maybe 150. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah, it's 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 hard. I don't even know if he's training five times a week. Like but that's okay. Team. I mean, if that's you know, that's okay. So I want to just bring up three points. I'm gonna let Mobster comment on these three points because I believe he has children. Um, and then we're gonna get into his steroid cycle, which he has been open about. I thought it was yeah. cool. So my first yeah. point is one of the things that's interesting about him is he discourages his kids from ever getting into bodybuilding and does not want them seriously competing or using steroids. He's absolutely adamant that he does not want them to do that. Point one. Point two, that Chad Nichols was linked to Tom Prince. Yeah. And he's, it's interesting because a lot of bodybuilders linked to Chad Nichols all have had kidney ailments. Is it something that they're doing? Is it something they're taking? Is it the diuretics? Is it the steroid use? Is it the size? It's just a little more than a coincidence in my mind. And the third point before I let Mobster in is his social media, which is interesting because when I looked up his social media, I could not find it anything because he says that he does not have a social media because he shuns bodybuilding. He does not want to be part of bodybuilding. So hence, he does not have a social media. The only social media he has is for his actual business. So it has nothing to do with bodybuilding. So mom, so you want to comment? on some of those points and we'll get into steroid use. 100%, 100%. I'll start with Chad. Uh, Steve said, by association. And this is what we're kind of talking about here because Tom himself said, I don't think that I was doing anything with Chad that I, I wasn't doing excessive amount of his drugs. And it's of course referring to the fact that he would sit down and talk to other professionals and they would sort of swap cycle details and whatever else. And so he said he didn't think that he was doing anything any more than anybody else. I think there's a little bit of a problem with that, Steve, so far as that the truth is, how often do we really tell everybody exactly what we're taking when we're talking to the buddies down the gym? 
right? There's a lot of macho bullshit that goes on. And then, of course, we see this on UK forums with Notorious. And I think some of the uh, more um, uh, shady uh, forums in the States, especially a couple of years ago, get big. I'm looking at you, by the way. You'd have guys that come on there, and we're typically talking about 15-year-old bullshitters, and it's up the chain, up the chain, up the chain, all that kind of horseshit, right? And in reality, guys were, you know, might be on some sort of pro-hormone, they might be doing whatever. So the truth is, guys didn't tell each other the truth. They don't tell the truth within magazines and whatever else. And in fact, the only reason we can talk about this cycle as is, is because Thomas actually turned around and said, this is what I was taking. And I don't think it was excessive. However, coincidentally, you've got a bunch of guys that he competed back with in the 95, the Nationals, when he won. And of the guys that he was on stage with, only Tony Freeman seems to have walked away without any particular illness associated with that at the time. You've got a bunch of other guys that have been dehydrated. So we talk about diuretics. You've got people, uh, Don Long having a kidney transplant. You've got a bunch of guys that Chad worked with. And I think there's a couple of things here, Steve. One is probably, uh, quite simply, you're a driven individual who's obsessed about winning. And in your mind, you go to Chad because he's the guy that's going to get you that title. So you're kind of, your driven, obsessive nature pushes you into that particular direction. And then you're going to a bloke that's going to feed on your driven, excessive nature. Even, uh, Chad, I'm willing to do everything. You tell me what to do. Make me a winner. That's, that's what's coming across. And it, Chad won't be the only person that that's happened with. We can talk about guys afterwards. I'm just using Chad because Chad was the fellow that he was working with. And that's what, the way that it was at that time. So you've got that. Children. Right. Training versus not training. When you've had Tom's experience, I completely understand it. And here's the thing, Steve. I think it's one of those uh, professional versus going to the gym to get in shape and be fit, etc. I would say 100% my kids, my grandkids, go to the gym, train. Everybody I know. In fact, I used to think like this, especially when I first started. Everybody I know should go to the gym. On the other hand, of course, I like the idea of big and strong, so maybe they stay away and I stay big and strong. That's an egotistical thing. But in reality, going to the gym, cardio, keeping fit, good nutrition, healthy lifestyle, perfectly fine. The problem, of course, Steve, is when we get into the drugs and the performance enhancing stuff and some of the supplements and the extremes. And the people, magazines, especially women's magazines, are notorious for doing these secret things we know, for example, in the 70s that doctors were giving amphetamine speed, essentially, to ladies to help them diet. Uh, I know a bunch of girls that have gone to the gym and just asked for thyroid junts because they think it's some sort of secret. And none of these things are healthy. So you go, right, amateur, fun training, perfectly fine. Professional, obsessive stuff with the extremes, completely unnecessary. And that's where you get the difference between I wouldn't want my kids to do X, Y, and Z because... I don't want my, 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 my daughter to take thyroid drugs. I don't want my, my grandchildren going to the gym and using diuretics or amphetamines to get in shape or being hooked on Nubain or any of those things. Of course not. With father social media, and me and Steve talks about this at, at, in, in the pre-show, we know that Tom's done a bunch of podcasts when all this business came out of him having kidney failure. Rx Muscle and others have interviewed him. What was interesting, and I said to Steve, I think it was one of those... Uh, if I was in, in his shoes, he said, I, any social media that he has is only connected to the rental business that him and his wife runs quite successfully, it has to be said. I believe, I think he said 30 plus employees, 45 employees, something like that, Steve. A bunch of properties, so painters and decorators and, and electricians, etc. he's got working for him. 
and they do very well. Thank you very much. And that's all he's got on his social media. I think there's a few photographs, but he says, I, no one should contact me and ask me about bodybuilding for steroid advice, for training advice, for dietary advice. It's like he doesn't want to be reminded of what he's lost and he doesn't want to be reminded of the damage that he's done himself and his medical condition and all these kind of things. So yeah, the social media stuff is interesting. He's not a bodybuilder. You go and like, hey, we've just done a podcast on King Kamal. It's just gone live, guys. Um, where you'll see pictures of people that King's worked with. You'll see pictures of King used to be. You'll see that King's still a big guy now. You won't see any of that on Tom's social media, none whatsoever. It's like that door is shut and I'm not opening it. I'm not looking back there. And guys, please don't knock on the door and remind me of where I used to be. I, I think again, and I said to Steve, when you've been over 300 pounds, when you've been squatting 600 pounds, when perhaps you feel that you've, you've had some role to play in your own mistakes and being where you are today, the idea that guys like me are some sort of fanboy go boom, 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 Tom, what about when you just squat 600? No, he doesn't want to know, guys. He's, he's, not, he's got enough of a reminder every single time he goes for dialysis. He doesn't want to be reminded of what he's lost and where he used to be and how strong he used to be. And again, he said himself, he loved going to the gym. He loved doing that kind of stuff. It was a bigger deal to him than that was competing with the guys on stage. Those very words, and here you are on social media. That's all you'll be, all you're doing. There's no throwback Thursdays with, with Tom Prince. There's no motivation Mondays because he doesn't want to be reminded of that part of his life. It's been, it's gone, it's done with. He's getting enough of a reminder. As I said, kidney dialysis three times a week, four hours on a machine, all that half a day gone. That's a reminder right there, guys, of the things that you cannot do anymore. And I kind of understand it. I, I think Steve and I, for my age, for Steve being a bit younger than me, et cetera, et cetera, we, we've done some stupid stuff. We've had injuries. We've had issues. But we can still train. We can still lift. We can still do the stuff that we do. And we've managed to recover from this strain or that 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 ligament pull or whatever, uh, and never gone so far as to do something fucked up that's put herself in this particular place. So we still get to lift and we still get to train and we still get to motivate and we still get to do all those things. So I'm happy to be reminded of where I was. It's a, it's it's that mentality, Steve. I don't think if I was in issues, I don't think I'd want to be told you used to be great. You used to be great. I'm great now, motherfucker. What do you mean I used to be great? It's that kind of thing. It's too much of a reminder, too much of a sore point for him in his shoes, being reminded about how big and how strong and how great he used to be. You know, I mean, that's just that. That's without the medical stuff on top. Back to you. All right, guys. So let's get into his steroid cycle. cycle. What's interesting is he actually has been open about yeah. what he used at the 2001 Night of Champions. And this was what he did 16 weeks ahead of, of the contest. And I thought this was interesting that he posted this. Um, so the total amount of gear that he was using, which was the maximum, was over 3,000 milligrams, closer to 3.5 grams. Yep. And that doesn't include, you know, the other stuff on the side that he was using I also think that there's other stuff he used besides this that he just doesn't remember. So, I mean, there's stuff in there. He may have used it for a few weeks or put it in and out. So one of the things that I thought was interesting was his HGH use was only four to six IUs a day. You know, that's one of those things where 
it's hard to believe because we see people posting cycles on the forum who are just regular guys and they're running that type of doses on the HGH. So I thought that was interesting and I was a little surprised by that. I thought he would be running at least 12 to 15 IUs a day. So the next thing was a Sustanon and he was using the Sustanon just the first six weeks at 1250 milligrams per week. Then he would switch to, to test to the testosterone sipinate for week seven to 14 up to 1500 milligrams per week. So I'm, I'm wrong. It's not 3.5 grams because he was switching the sustenance for the sipinate. So it's actually two and a half grams, not counting the other stuff, not counting the orals he was running. So that was kind of interesting. DECA, he was running 200 milligrams to start and then raising it up to 600 milligrams until week 14. And then he would stop it for the next two weeks into his contest. So I thought that was interesting that in 2001, he would still be using Decadurabolin because you would think that by then guys would be switching to Trembolone and or Equipoise or some of these other steroids. They wouldn't still be using Deca. So that was interesting to me. Um, another thing that was interesting before you bring you in Mobster was Teslac. He was using Teslac as his AI, aromatized inhibitor. And that was interesting, a little, a little interesting on that one, because by this time, most guys would have been messing around with Letro or Arimidex in that era. So the fact that he was using Teslac was interesting, 50 milligrams to start and then raising it to 350 milligrams by end of the cycle. So he was really slamming his estrogen down quite a bit. So I, I, thought, I thought it was interesting. Um, that that's, that's the case. So it's kind of cool to see this and the way they, they used aromatized inhibitors at the time, very low dosage at first and closer to competition. Let's slam our estrogen. Let's get rid of water retention by uh, competition time. What else was he using mobster? Talk a little bit about the other stuff. I think this is business and you said it earlier on Steve about things that wasn't being mentioned. So there's no mention of insulin. I find that hard to believe. There's no mention of DMP. Again, something I suspect he and a bunch of other guys were experimenting with at that time. Uh, it does talk about ephedrine and caffeine. I, I, my gut feeling is it's one of those, how much ephedrine? Uh, and again, I, I, I would hazard a guess that we're, talk, we're not talking about five milligrams or 10 milligrams here, guys. I think it's going to be 30 milligrams and more so the guys, this is the sort of stuff that this guy sometimes would take to get through workouts and whatever else. And I've, I've heard numbers for some people as high as 100 milligrams. Uh, and in fact, I know for think we discussed this on the forum recently, Steve, where there was one place we were talking about and the source only had 120 milligram pills. So yeah, I think it's one of those things that they can take like smartly just to get through the workout. And you've got to remember guys, if you're dieting down for a competition, if you're trying to get in shape, you're looking for these edges, and again, the obsessive nature of that that is cultivated by that situation can easily be where you're going to keep pushing the envelope and taking bits and pieces just to get this sort of stuff. I think we're looking at here, Steve. I mean, he mentions 100 milligrams, 150 milligrams of Winstrol in the latter part of his cycle, uh, and again, something that's going to slightly dry him out. But something that we, we didn't touch on, and I'll address the other two drugs in just a second 
It's interesting for me that you mentioned the HGH right at the beginning, seemed like a low number for him to suggest. And I was trying to think of the, syn the syndrome, essentially a bunch of guys, if you get, uh, this happens a lot. Once you get past a certain small, quite low really, it's only about five million, five intravenous units a day, you can end up with carpal tunnel syndrome. The, what occurred to me, you're talking about with Winstrol here, which is admitted to dry and out joints and carpal tunnel syndrome is essentially the wrist and the hands. And it's caused by the simple fact that with edema sometimes on HGH, swells up the knuckles, swells up the joints, and specifically the tendons that run through the wrist is where the carpal tunnels are. So you end up with wrist pain. Now, some of that's caused by training and some of that's caused by HGH. But also, Steve, swelling up, of course, is a sign that your kidneys are giving you issues once again. So could it be that he was getting some of these signs and having issues at that time, which was actually indicators of kidney issues? And so I mean, again, I mean, the, the, the drugs, as excessive as they might be for someone like myself, for example, are not really crazy, crazy for a professional bodybuilder. Towards the end of the cycle, of course, we get onto the last two here. Novadex, just literally because he doesn't want damn guy, I know he wants to be in shape. And we've seen, and you can find these photographs for yourself, guys. We've seen blokes that are ripped, vascular, dry, separated, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And they've still got nipple issues. They've still got size of gyno. And the last drug, uh, and he says that this is towards the end of the cycle. And I think it's just one of those things that he was hoping was going to give him a little bit of polish. Uh, very quickly, guys, uh, if it's one of those things where you're using as an ugly drug, I don't like it. And we're talking about clean root oil here. Um, where are you in terms of your competition cycle if you're not bringing yourself into shape as smoothly as possible, as ahead of time as possible, and then having to throw clean root oil? And the reason why, and it's, I'm just thinking of people locally again, and I mentioned the thyroids earlier on. And boot was one of those drugs where you think that you're going to get into shape because you take it, and then people struggle horrendously with the side effects. Now, imagine, guys, you are 16 weeks, getting towards the end of the 16 weeks, you are dry, you are hungry, you are tired, and then you take Clem. You're going to feel kind of shitty, Steve, to say the least. And again, it's, on, when we talk about the medical conditions, we're saying... You're, you're, it's, it's perfectly normal in a competition cycle, it's coming up to those last couple of weeks before a competition to feel kind of crappy and tired and irritable and all that kind of stuff. You're carb depleted, you, you know, you, you're, you're playing around with your water levels, et cetera, et cetera, not mentioned on here, for example, is diuretics. And now we're taking a drug like Clem, which just makes you feel shitty anyway. And probably saying to yourself, the reason I feel shitty is because of these drugs, where in, of course, Tom's case, the reason he felt shit is because he has an underlying medical condition that just was kind of fucking him up. Putting clean in that mix, putting uh, everything in there. Uh, uh, man, Steve, can you imagine? What was he sleeping like? Uh, guys, everything, for example, you really only want to take that in the morning. You do not want to take that in the afternoon if you want to get any sleep. I don't care how hard you're training. You're going to be laying in your bed wide awake, feeling like a, 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 a knackered old man, and you're doing all this kind of stuff. So it's perfectly normal to feel really, really bad run down, et cetera, et cetera. And you're doing a bunch of stuff in here, which is just gonna make you feel rough. You are pushing the envelope in terms of the average Joe, in terms of the steroid levels, maybe not as a professional bodybuilder. And then of course, as we know, as per the rest of the podcast, we know that he's got all these other issues going on that he's not aware of. 
And of course, he talks about his steroid cycle, but it doesn't mention, as we touched on in the podcast, the, the ibuprofen, the, the Advil, and taking that kind of stuff just for the pain. And on top of this, say, like I mentioned earlier on, the Winstrol is a notorious drug for drying out your joints and making your joints feel achy and horrible and all the rest of it. That could have probably helped a little bit there, Steve, but I think his joints were essentially a red flag. I think his joints were telling him he was kind of screwed. And so that might be why the HGH was low. I, I, the SIP doesn't seem that bad. The DECA doesn't seem that bad. The SUST is almost reasonable. Each one probably on their own. Uh, 600 milligrams of DECA seems fine, but then you've got the 12, 1500 test SIP. And then again, that wouldn't be so bad, but you would then throw any other stuff on top. I think it's one of those things, guys, when we talk about it, and I've touched on it already, the overall stress of almost a reasonable cycle for a healthy professional bodybuilder versus an unhealthy Advil ibuprofen taking medical issue underlying, perhaps not recognized at that time, Tom Prince. These are other nows that are, are, are banging into the coffin that ends his career. It's basically a bunch of things where this would almost be reasonable for a professional bodybuilder. But in Tom's case, they were just finishing him off. And then obviously, this is exactly what happened. So, yes, Steve, back to you. Yeah, excellent podcast. Guys, have you any, any other concerns or questions about kidneys or anything like that? Come on the forum. Um, I'm always there. Consultations, coaching, it's in the show notes. So if you want to hit me up, I can definitely help you with your blood work, show you how to get blood work done, help you understand what the blood work means and all that, all that good stuff. So hit me up on the forum, guys, Steve SMR. Mobster, um, uh, tell guys um, a little preview of who we're doing next and then uh, take us in a disclaimer. Right, guys. So we are looking at Dennis the Menace James and uh, if you don't know, and we will be touching on this in the podcast, of course, this is a guy that helped Rami win the Mr. Olympia. We're going to get into the how and the why. And obviously, uh, he's still huge, still big, still doing his thing. Uh, I think he's an interesting guy, Steve, out there for someone who's not had any crazy problems and whatever else. So it, switching it around in terms of medical stuff and talking about Dennis the Menace. Well, I've even got a note here, Steve, as who Dennis the Menace actually is as a cartoon character. In terms of the uh, warning, here we go, guys. Pay attention. This is for you lawyers and solicitors out there. Please note, we are not doctors, and the opinions that we give on these shows are ours. It's our view, and it's based on our experience and views on the topic. The podcasts are for informational and entertainment purposes only, and the freedom of speech and the First Amendment applies.